So I'm here with Akshay Venkatesh, one of the Fields Medal winners. We really enjoyed your lecture. Can you maybe give us an idea what a quadratic form is? Oh, a quadratic form is just a, um, it's a quadratic expression in, in, a, in a bunch of variables. So you have, say, x, y, and z, and you're allowed to do x times x, which is x squared, x times y, which is x, y. Uh, but you're not allowed just x by itself, because, uh, and you're not allowed x cubed. So it's just products of two things. And um, what were you? In the history of number theory, we've discovered quadratic forms are very rich. That is to say that their arithmetic has many more patterns than we would find in otherwise similar-looking questions. And in the end, that comes down to the fact that quadratic forms have bigger symmetry groups than many other equations. So why are quadratic forms important in number theory? Well, I would say they're interesting for number theory. And, and, and the reason is we've noticed over time that, uh, that there are a lot of when you start thinking about plugging integers into these quadratic forms, you see interesting patterns. So the simplest pattern is if you take, if you look at numbers which are sums of two squares, like three squared plus four squared, okay, that's, that's 25. But now, now, if you ask a question like which numbers are sums of two squares, you see an interesting pattern, but to express it, you have to look at the, you have to start thinking about primes and factorization. So there, out of a quadratic form, you see patterns that are part of number theory just arise spontaneously. I was really interested, you started off with an image of your lecture, in yeah. your lecture, of, from a, the cover of a book, Rational Quadratic Forms. Can yeah. you tell us what that picture represents? That picture represents, uh, it's an it's a idea going back to Gauss, that you can, firstly, if, you, if you're interested in uh, quadratic forms as they relate to integers, you can uh, replace one by another that, that you can uh, using integer linear substitutions and then Gauss made the point that okay by doing that you can you get you can put all the quadratic forms the all quadratic forms can be moved into some simpler shape so that simpler shape pictorially represented as a triangle and then the the process of moving it gives you a collection of other triangles which together tile a disk and so it's what it's a fundamental example of a fundamental domain can you tell us what a fundamental domain? Well, oh, fundamental domain is is a is a um, it's you want to find a nice set whose which you, when you move it around by the group it tiles the space that you start with. So that's the fundamental domain. So, uh, in quadratic forms, you, you would like to think uh, you don't really need to distinguish between two quadratic forms that are related under this group. So in other words, you might as well move it into the fundamental domain. So the fundamental domain is your way of representing things that have been simplified as far as possible. And it sounded like that your recent work has a lot to do with focusing on symmetry of these kind of spaces that you're looking at. And what is it that the symmetries tell you when you're looking at those? Uh, so so it's, it's very much connected with the Langlands program, which I, I think um, is, a, is a really new way in which the topology of new meaning relative to the 19th century it was I think there was no inkling of this until we reached the 1950s and, and a bit later it's a really new way in which the topology of these uh, tiles connects to number theory and you talked about there being a, I think you talked about there being a connection between some aspects of symmetry and reciprocity laws. That's right. So that, that was the picture that came out of the Langlands program. And that, that was, I think, sort of very, uh, it was a great thing for number theory. Didn't see it coming.
And could you give us an idea what a reciprocity law is? A reciprocity law is uh, something that ties together the behavior of a single equation modulo different primes. So if you ask about the simplest type is, is if you ask a question like, what are the square roots of a number like 10? You can ask that question modulo 7 or modulo 11 or modulo any prime. And it turns out that at, at first, if you start doing some computer experiments, you, you'll find these look like they have no relation to each other. But there, there is a pattern which one notices after a while, and that's called quadratic reciprocity. So based on that, and it's not the best terminology because it, it's not really a reciprocal arrangement in general, but based on that, we, any situation where you look at the same equation modulo different primes, and you find some thread that ties it together, we've agreed to call that a reciprocity law in number theory. And you, I got the impression that you thought it was surprising that there ever, ever is these Yes, I, absolutely. So firstly, quadratic reciprocity, it's, it, it's, it, there's a reason we kind of, it's the f f in some way the first real theorem in number theory. Like it, it's not something you expect. And, uh, and then even if you knew, and if you knew uh, quadratic reciprocity, people were trying by cubic reciprocity, by, then they, they generalized it. But, it, but the, even then, the kind of generalization of it coming from the Langlands program came out of nowhere. Uh, so I, I think it would, was, I, mean, I don't know this history perhaps as well as I should, but it seems to me it must have been a tremendous shock that there were these other reciprocity laws existed at all. There's certainly no a priori reason to expect them to exist. Going back to that first picture, you described at the beginning of your talk, you said your talk was really all about higher dimensional analogues of that right. first picture. So That's right. how, how, what do you mean by that and, and why so is that, that, that interesting? That disk is actually, in the cases of, of, of um, where the, so to speak, the new parts of my talk are interesting, that disk is, a, is something that exists in higher dimension. You know, maybe it's in five dimensions, so it's very hard to visualize the tiles are five-dimensional, they're also very complicated five-dimensional, meaning they have a lot of faces. And why is it interesting? There's, I think beforehand there's no reason to expect it's interesting. It so happens that it's related to a lot of number theory, but we don't, it's an empirical fact. Well, thank you very much. I hope you have a, enjoyed the rest of the Congress. Oh, thanks a lot.